right, all right, musical chairs. Who's playing the music? Welcome one and all. This is our uh, last legacy of the, uh, of the day. We, we all must agree it's been quite a ride so far up until right now. Wow. And now some of the best storytellers of all time on stage right here and now. Otis can't wait. Tom, this is your guy. These are your guys. You take the lead, my friend. Greatest team in NFL history. I, I, thought, I thought you said me take over and you started talking again in the mic. You know, I think what do we got to go to the elder statesman here of this group. We got Emery Moorhead. I always say Emery Moorhead's a wide receiver that ate himself into a tight end. <laughs> and a longer career. Hey, it's great to see you all. This place is packed. And we love it. We love you guys. It's unreal. Great. Big O, what's your, rec what's your feeling of the weekend, the support of the Bears fans, oh. your Bear career, every, a little well, bit of it, everything? It, it is always a pleasure to see the Bear fans come out. I mean, coming down off the um, Kennedy and seeing all the fans. But most of all, to sit here and see these guys, I love the point of my life when I get to be around them. I mean, I have so many, so much love for them and so many great stories. And it's just an honor and a pleasure to be here. You know, we just sat up here and Dan Hampton was talking about how much he enjoyed being a teammate of William Perry, a guy that came in and lit up our locker room every day. Fridge, you got an opportunity to come back to Chicago about some yeah. of the fun you had with the Bears, both as a defensive tackle and a running back of your time. That had to be a lot of fun for you to be able to join the Bears at such an important time. Go ahead, Doc. I was just saying, just some of the enjoyment you've had here in Chicago, some of the fun from being a defensive tackle all the way to one of the first big man running backs because last year Matt Nagy had a play where he gave Akeem Hicks the ball for a touchdown and he called it the freezer in, in salute to the fridge, <laughs> William Perry. Yeah, you know, it was great. It was great and everything. And, uh, you know, I couldn't say any, you know, say any more. Everything was, everything was, uh, you know, wonderful. And I enjoyed it. And it's, you know, it was fun, you know, doing it, doing it for the people and enjoying myself. <laughs> there yeah. you go. Catching the ball. Willie? the instigator of the Super Bowl shuffle. Yes. Kind of a gutsy move to do it on the plane after we lost our first game that season. Did you ever think about taking a step back and maybe giving that loss a little bit of time to warm up or were you full speed ready to go? No, I was pretty confident. You know, I, I think the loss for us sort of put us in perspective. I think we knew we were good, but we knew if we didn't play together as a team that we wouldn't win. So that day was pretty trying because everything was set up to do the, the, the video. And I had the dubious task of trying to convince these guys after we had lost in Miami to come the next day and shoot the video. So I talked to Mike Singletary and Mike said, okay, we've already committed. Let's do it as a team. Let's, let's let this be a, a team building for us. So we decided to get together as a team at that video and make sure that we committed to each other that we we're going to go out and play our best. And that's what happened. And uh, of course, the rest is history. Richard, yeah. when you look back on it all, 
not surprised where you are, but are you impressed with everything you've been able to accomplish and achieve since you weren't the highest draft choice? You were able to do what Buddy Ryan wanted to do, wanted to get out of you. You know, you had to play the run, you had to rush the passer, and then you sit here today as a Hall of Famer. I think we're all the fans are equally as impressed as we are. Well, you know, on the on the road to to the pro standards uh, coming out of Tennessee State, uh, most people, uh, you know, guys that get drafted, they worried about where they're getting drafted, what they're doing. You know, the point of it is that when you get into the league and you get drafted, you're getting more money than what you had when you walked in the door. So there's no reason to be upset about where you're being placed. You're getting an opportunity, you're getting a platform to show what you're worth and show what you could do. And, uh, you know, after coming to uh, Chicago Bears and, and, you know, meeting, seeing some of the guys, they didn't know anything. They didn't know much about me. Uh, I didn't know much about them, but we seemed to find ourselves. And, and uh, I didn't understand why I wasn't playing, but, you know, Buddy uh, had a problem, and I had a problem with not taking the trap on well. So when we move a lot, which is I really appreciate it, so when Fridge is over the center, I got to, you know, spill the play with my right shoulder. So, but when he's over the guard, I can squeeze it. So I had a minute trying to get that together and finally I got that together. Then, you know, I was in the starting lineup. So, you know, but I could understand, I did not understand, but I did later and eventually, you know, as a kid, you know, you dream to do some things and every dream that I imagine as a kid to play football in the National Football League, everything that has happened, except the Hall of Fame, which I didn't know anything about the Hall of Fame during that time, but uh, I seen myself do what, what was done in my career. You know, if you can dream it, that means God is blessing you. You have to, once you pray about it, you have to be about it. And with the players that I had in my, around me, uh, you know, it was all about the opportunity. You know, I don't miss the game, I miss the guys that I played with. Like all of us. Jay, you kind of had a unique journey here. You're an undrafted free agent out of Iowa. You became a seven-time Pro Bowler, but you were raised in the National Football League. Your Uncle Wally played 16 years in the NFL. Your dad played football. Your younger brother, Joel, played 10 or 11 years with the New Orleans Saints. Was it Bill McGrain that kind of got you attached to the Bears and gave you your opportunity? Yes, uh, it, it was really, um, it was, uh, you know, the Bears organization and Jim Finks was uh, with Chicago at the time, the general manager. He used to be with the Minnesota Vikings. And as you said, my, my uncle played with the Vikings. And when Finks uh, knew Wally Hilgenberg, my uncle played um, up there. And as you said, uh, I met Buddy Ryan as, uh, when I was a sophomore in high school. Yeah, so he was a Wally's position coach at going up to the Minnesota uh, practices and camps. So I, I knew Buddy then. And I, I actually, I went to Super Bowl nine, And I remember my uncle Wally was a, a roommate of Alan Page. And I went up to the room to talk to Wally. And uh, he, he wasn't there. But I sat in the room. And Alan talked to me for like 20 minutes. I was a sophomore in high school about, you know, the sports I was into, and he was just really, I, he took a 20 minutes of his time to really spend time with me. And then my rookie year, I, you know, being undrafted, coming to Chicago, 
and trying to make a name for myself. There I am practicing against Alan Page every day for that first season, and he really worked with me that that um, that year. So, um, you know, it's I I didn't come into the NFL the way I thought I I thought I was going to arrive, but um, I was so lucky. You know, I I, I get uh, Jim Finks and Bill McGrain, you know, Hall of Fame Jim Finks. I I come to the Chicago Bears there. I'm coached by Mike Dicka, who's a Hall of Fame offensive line coach, Hall of Fame Dick Stanfield. I practice against, you know, Dan Hampton, Hall of Fame, Mike Singletary, Hall of Fame, Steve McMichael should be in the Hall of Fame. I, it's just it goes on and on, and then, and then especially, and then when Fridge came to the Chicago Bears, he really changed the the what it, what it meant to go out there and practice that day because his arrival. Because I knew when they drafted Fridge, and I saw his highlights in college, and what I was going to have to go through that training camp. I mean, I got myself ready in '85 to play, not not the, the opponents, because I knew he the Fridge was coming to Chicago, and boy, I was happy that the Fridge was the Chicago Bears, and I didn't have to play him on any other team. But you know, we all hear from the defensive players how difficult it was for them to earn the respect of Buddy Ryan. So you meet Buddy Ryan as a kid. How did he treat you when he came to Chicago? Oh, I, I, it was like uh, the f it was, uh, like yesterday. I remember the very first uh, day of practice out in the field. Uh, we had cows, and we broke down to cows. And being the the rookie free agent, uh, I had I couldn't even go with the defense the first period of practice. I, I I couldn't go with the offense. I had to go with the defense and sit there and snap the ball for you guys coming off the ball and. And, and I go running up to the defensive drill, and there's Buddy standing there. He looks at me, and he goes, where's the ball, Rook? And I go, I go, what are you talking about? And he goes, hey, every good center has a football in his hand. He goes, you never know when a game's going to break out. And right that, that day, from that day forward, the, my whole career, I never stepped on the football field without a football in my hand. I always had a football in my hand. Jay, uh, you, you also have talked about how quick William was off the ball. Yeah, he... Uh, that, that's something that, you know, Tom and I both really studied a lot of game tape. I, I, I first learned that from Noah Jackson. I, my rookie year in the NFL, we used to have a, the film projector, and the rookies had to carry the projector on the flights and travel and carry it and bring it to the meetings and set it up. And, and Noah always liked watching tape uh, before he went to bed at night. So I'd go up there to get the projector, and I'd sit down and watch tape with him, and Noah really taught me what he was looking at. He would get up there and start diagramming, you know, you got to be like a boxer, you got to snap, and you got to be able to hit the guy and not give him all your body weight. So he taught me, I, was, I learned a lot from Noah, you know, with that, that projector there, and um, I mean, I, I just think a guy like that, that, that should be, be recognized an awful, awful lot. Jim Finks did a wonderful job. The 83 draft, I can't imagine there's anyone better in NFL history. I mean, look what it gave you guys. Okay, Otis was already here, Emery, you were here, Walter was here, McMahon was here, Hamp was here, but then you bring in that 83 class with Jimbo and Willie and Tom and Richard as a later round pick. It's a great class. Dewerson, I mean, Fortz. I mean, they keep coming. Mike Richardson, yeah. L.A. How much, how much respect for Jim Finks? Well, I, I would say there's a, a lot, a lot of respect for him because uh, he, I would say he probably orchestrated along with the scouting staff, you know, and putting the pieces to the puzzle together. I mean, to understand what you need and to go out there and get what you need, he was uh, no doubt about it, a part and part of that. 
My experience with Jim Finks is a little different. I, uh, I came to the Bears. Uh, Denver had cut me. The Bears picked me up. And I went through the preseason. And then the very last cut, Noah Jackson was holding out. And uh, they signed Noah, and they cut me at the game of the last, before the game. And anyway, uh, I finished that year. Then the next year, they, they had hired, they fired Neil Armstrong, and they hired Mike Dicka. And they brought Mike in, and they moved me to tight end. And so I had a great year. The first, I was playing at 215 pounds at tight end. So it was easily getting away from all the linebackers and the safeties. And with play action to Walter, it was just, unbelievably easy. But anyway, after the season, uh, in fact, the Virginia might remember this, uh, they said they were going to sign me to a new contract. And uh, Ed said, we're going to sign you to a new contract and me for having a great year. So I come in, I sign the contract, and Jim Finks is also there. And he goes, Emory, he says, come back here, I want to talk to you. And he says, Emory, he says, he lived in Winnetka, and he had a maid uh, by the name of Mr. Robinson that went to the same church I did in Evanston. And he said, Emory, he said, Miss Robinson been telling me for five years to sign you. And he says, now we're finally going to sign you to a nice contract. So I got to the Bears through Ms. Robinson pestering him every year, sign Emory, sign Emory, sign Emory. And that's how I ended up getting a nice contract out of the Bears. All roads lead to the NFL, Emory, yeah. right? Yeah. All roads lead to the NFL. Yeah. William, when it was all going on your rookie year, you just loved playing. Did you realize what was going on becoming a national and international sensation because of your popularity? Did you recognize it or were you just all about ball? Well, when, you know, when I came in, when I came in, Bears drafted me, and uh, I'm gonna playing, I'm playing defensive, no defensive tackle. I didn't ever think I was gonna be a fullback, uh, you know, lining up in the backfield. And he su he surprised me, cause uh, cause when San Francisco did it against against them, then he he got me and stuck me in the backfield so he can rub it in his rub it in his face and everything. So. You know, it was uh, it, it was great, and I, you know, I loved it, and it was fun. Yeah, I'll tell you another story about Fridge. Uh, that year, uh, we were uh, after the Super Bowl. Uh, Jeff Fisher, Steve Fuller, and I go on a ski trip with a bunch of uh, fans over to Switzerland, and so we go over there, and of course we're the big guys, and everybody's like, "Who are these guys? Who are these guys?" And I say, "No, I play football." And I said, Chicago Bears, they still didn't know. And I said, Walter Payton, and I didn't know. And I said, the fridge. They went, oh, yeah, we know the Bears. We know the Bears. You know, it's kind of reason, you know, when you, this event, so there's, there's people here from all 50 states and seven different countries. And when you have a personality like Fridge and Walter Payton, these guys, that's why the popularity outreaches just the Chicagoland, Illinois area, and it is a, a worldwide phenomenon. Uh, I, I actually, when I first saw Fridge, it was, I was watching TV and he had this short shirt on when didn't have much of a gut, you know, but, uh, but I watched how he was, you know, working the field from sideline to sideline, and, and I said, this guy can move. 
And finally, then he ended up in Chicago and, you know, he was running the ball for a while. But once he got in the starting lineup, you know, it's, it was tough to block him one-on-one. -on -one. So I said, what a great guy is right beside me. I'm beside him. I said, so what we're going to do, we're going to dictate on this side. We're going to tell people what they can do and what they can't do. Right? So William, I'll tell Williams and William, I'm not going to stick my nose in your business. And you don't stick your nose in my business, but what I need you to do is when the ball come my way, run to the numbers. If, if the ball go past the numbers, stop running. I got it, right? And if the ball goes inside, I'm not going to rush in there because I got him in there, I got Steve in there, I got Singleton, all these different people. So, you know, I was taught a lot about playing football in a way of take two things away and play the other. You see, now you're dictating about what's gonna take place. So we knew nobody's gonna run the ball on our side. We knew we were gonna make the ball go the other way and it was all about when they try to trick you and reverse and back. But when you can play with people like that, that, that you know, working hand in hand and really controlling the whole game where I can have fun because I know what you can do and I know what you can't do. Now you may try it, but, you know, I figure if you give me the ball enough, we're going to get a turnover, we're going to do some things. But I, I appreciate this man so much playing beside him. And that's why, you know, a guy like Otis Wilson also should be in the Hall of Fame. Also, Wilbur Marshall. We play, I play with a lot of guys and Jimbo Covert, you know, and Jay Hilgenberry. We, we had so many great ball players, and it was just so much fun. We didn't realize how much fun that we was having. But, you know, that's what you miss, the guys that you play with. And then to, to really to add on to that, it was a great thing. And, and knowing Buddy Ryan's system, you know, Buddy had an attack system. And like Richard was saying, we knew if we took care of a certain area. See, I'm on the, all, all the way on the other side with Dan Hampton. We send them your way. Exactly. Right. And, and, and I was trying to send them his way. And I knew, I said, nothing's going to come out from, from the numbers to the sideline. I got that covered. I'm pushing everything back in. And then Hampton's over there, you know, fridge in the middle. And him and Singh say, where you going to go? There's nowhere to go. You know, so it was just so much. We would, I would always say, and we would always say, we, I'm not going to let Hampton down. Hampton said, I'm not going to let Fridge down. Fridge, we knew what Richard was going to do. See, that, we called Fr uh, Richard the Colonel. And the Colonel meaning like Kentucky Fried Chicken. At one time, they only sold chicken. We knew what he was going to do. Gonna get up field, so we baby. said, we're going to let him handle that. <laughs> we're going to get upfield, without a doubt. But, exactly. Stay upfield. You know, but, but what, what we really appreciate about Buddy and, and – to me, is, is as a, a player, like, you know, people talk about Peyton Manning making calls on the line of scrimmage, how smart and great he is. Well, hell, those other guys got to be smart too, right? Because if they don't know what's going on, you know, ain't nothing going on. So in defense, we did the same thing. You know, I, I look at Buddy, he pat his hand. I know that's automatic front control, you know. So we didn't never get a call until third down. But on first and second down, we play what we see. You get in an eye formation, we did something. You get in a red, whatever formation. So the point of it is, what I appreciate, he gave us the game. Now, some coaches don't want to give the game. Some coaches 
like they get off on what they do. But if you don't have players, you're just getting off yourself. You're not getting anywhere. So the point of you have to make the players be responsible for their action. If you make them be responsible, they're going to play harder. They're going to do more, you know. But if you're just making a call, make a call. I would say, hey, coach, I got two on me. Just send one. Just try to get us one-on-one, -on -one. not send someone free because now we're getting everybody going. And so it's a math game, football is. You got five linemen that's going to have to block four. Or you're going to have six going to have to block four. And sooner or later, it's going to work out in your way. You know, Amory, Willie, and this Jay. Is, this is funny, though. <laughs> I was gonna say, this is funny. Oh, this is funny. This is indicative of our team. So, so many of you guys may not know, our offense was ranked number two in the league that year, right? But we had such an amazing defense. was ranked number one in the country. In the, I mean, the best defense ever. But our offense, we would just sit back and do our thing, and we'd give them the ball. But we were ranked number two in the entire league. But people don't know that because we had such a great defense. Well, if they were fortunate, they always got to play fresh <laughs> because we held on to the ball for the first six minutes. They only had to play Payton, 20 minutes. We had Walter Payton, we had Jim McMahon, we had, you know, all these guys. All right, you know, Richard, you only had to play 20 minutes a game because we controlled the ball the <laughs> whole game. Now you take the special teams right, out hey. of it. They was really exactly, only playing 16 right. minutes a game. Right. I mean, minutes, hey, hey the offense led the NFL in first downs. The offense led the NFL in scoring that year. Yeah. I mean, there's a ton of things. Uh, Rushing the football. Ball control. Yeah. Ball control. Ball control. Ball control. We, yeah, when you all didn't do anything, we come off and say, hey, guys. Uh, we controlled the ball. We, had, we led the NFL in first downs. I mean, you see, the only problem is, is that, you know, when you get tired as an offensive player, you can't sit there on the sideline and cheer for the other team's offense because, you know, you want to rest on the bench. <laughs> That's why you, defense can verbally beyond the offense because you guys are get tired and you're getting mad at us because we're going three and out. We can't get mad at you guys yeah. for going three but and out. Well, when they was going three and out, we would tell them, you look, know, hey. you know, the funny thing that he didn't mention, they always got the ball on the 35-yard line. Right. The team never came past the 50 on right. us, and we was always three and out. You well, we should be you number one. We love you guys. You should be number one. We love you guys. I mean, no, it was, hey, hold it. Was, it, was, no. it was, you're it was right, so you're right, it should be number one. And we used to say, you know, just to piss them off, we was like, hey, guys, just hold them. You know, get a first down, hold them, we'll come back, we'll score, you okay? Know what? This, <laughs> this seems like the same yep. stories that we just had from the 63 group. The 63 group said, oh, our defense was so great, we just, so great, we just asked for the defense. Just hold them. Just hold well, we them just back. looked at nine points. We said, you know, we can't give anybody no more than nine points. Because we knew that we could turn over and we could score, or we get a turnover, get a field goal. So we know if we got 10 points, it's going to be a problem. You know what I mean? It was really? such a pleasure just to watch those guys. I mean, as, as I sat down and watched our defense play the other team, I was at all. I mean, it was, like, amazing to see what they did, how they performed the professionalism they had, and also the excitement they had. I mean, these guys were excited to hit people. You can't be that excited today because, you know, you can't do as much as we did back then. But well, it was yeah. really amazing. Willie, see what you started? And you know what? See what you started? You see what you started? I, I was thinking it, too. I was thinking it, too. Because they will talk all day about that defense. Yeah. What, 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 what they need, what we're missing on this panel, it's Mike Richardson to do some chirping at this defensive line because they always complain that y'all didn't get enough pressure for right, them. Exactly. <laughs> he got them deep, uh, uh, yeah. touchdowns and interceptions. No, our defense was great. And one thing, you know, Buddy, Buddy was a guy until you made a play, he didn't even talk to you. He'd call you by your number, whatever. 
and he would come by to the offense right before the game. He'd say, you get me 10 points. He says, I'll let the dogs loose. And he said, we'll crush them. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Buddy was, Buddy, I mean, what I, I enjoyed about Buddy on Mondays after the game, uh, I can remember the championship game and, and uh, the Giants flipped the tight end and started putting him on my side. And Buddy would always say, get a hit on the tight end, get a hit on him. I said, okay, I'm going to get a hit on him. Playoff game. So I get a hit on him, and now Hampton upfield, my tackle upfield, I can go back outside. I'm looking at the quarterback down the middle. I'm saying, I see ball, get ball. Do I need to go back this? So Buddy's like, what's going on out there, coach? We seeing ball, we get ball. We'll talk about it on Monday, right? <laughs> like, I don't know what y'all doing, but hey, we, coach, we, we see that ball. I see it, I'm going to get it. I'm not going to go all the way back outside while I'm inside pushing the tight end down, but, but I enjoyed his meetings, you know, in the meetings and what he was calling people. You know, uh, with bad plays, good plays, but uh, we always played as a team on defense to beat to beat the other positions. So the defensive line wanted to have the best grades, the linebackers, and so on, with the corners and safeties. And then we started having individual plays. So you know, it's uh, yeah, I'm a small guy from a small school. Uh, here I got you know Tom over there went to Notre Dame. You know, like and so I may have a guy in Notre Dame. Before from some big school, and they say, oh, you got a post. No, I got a post. That guy, you know, he come from a big school. I'm a small, you know, I'm a small school guy. So it was fun to uh, have this camaraderie that we used to have on Mondays. You know, it was always something to look forward to on Mondays. You know what? We never look forward to Mondays. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> because you got Dicker running the projector, and you, I always say you could tell how well you played by the sweat rings underneath your armpits because it was never pleasant. And you watched every play probably five or six times. Right. You know, but, Sunday Sundays really. I mean, you go through the week of practice as an offensive lineman. Uh, you know, against this defense, that was a tough week. The game Sunday, you know, that that was kind of a break. Monday was actually the worst day. He's going over the review with Mike Dicker running that projector. I mean, he critiqued us heavily. It was always like um, the game. You know, after the game, you'd have a nice win. And you, you want to come in and see some nice plays, the replay, and coach would come in there and go, all right, guys, we're in a hurry today. We can't tell you good job. We're just going to go correct what's wrong in this film. Right. I mean, we got we to we run for Buddy, and we got to run for Dicker. So we made a, a, you know, a pledge with Buddy that, look, Buddy, if we don't lose anymore, we don't run the ladder, we don't, we don't run the shuttle. Exactly. You remember that? And Buddy said, yeah, okay, great, because – you know, we got to run, then we got to do walkthrough. So Buddy wants you to be like what you be in the game, tired, trying to make decisions, check, checkpoint. And yet then Dicker wants to run us. So, you know, defensive-wise, we're running a whole lot. So uh, we, made this, we made this bet, and we said we're not losing anymore because we don't run that ladder anymore. What happened after the Miami game? There's nothing happened at the Miami game. We was looking for Miami to show up, but you know Miami couldn't show up. But um, you know that game, I think that you know they had. I was tripping over all kind of things. I know ghosties out there or whatever they was. But uh, you know they, I think what they did, they spread us out. They did half roll. They get rid of the ball quick, right? And at that time, you know Buddy and Mike was fighting on the sideline at halftime because Buddy was putting more people on the line of scrimmage. Mike was trying to throw the ball like uh, the, the, the Miami Dolphins. And, uh, you know, you look at the Dolphins, the Dolphins was 28th and stopping the run. So it was like, why are we out here trying to throw the ball? And Dick is getting that buddy like, 
why are you putting everybody on line of scrimmage? You know, so, you know, you got two head coaches there, and there was a little fight going on, but uh, uh, we could use the loss. We weren't thinking about being undefeated, we, but after that game, we looked at coming into that game, we had the opportunity to be undefeated, and uh, some of the guys thought maybe we should go down there and practice, get used to the weather, and, you know, uh, Buddy came up with it, so said, let's talk to Mike. We said, this ain't going to happen. If Buddy coming up with it, asking Mike. If Mike would have came up with it, we probably would have went. But the point of it is that uh, we was looking forward to seeing Miami show up again. They just couldn't show up. And to, to add to that, um, Mark Clayton, you know, he's a Louisville guy. And, um, yeah. Can't think of um, Duper. Duper, yeah. Mark Duper. No, no, uh, Mark Clayton. Yeah. But they were Nat Moore. That's the name. Oh, that's Nat. the name yeah, I'm talking Nat. about. Nat, Nat Moore has a golf outing, so I go to the golf outing. So they figure they give me a little information on how they won that football game. They seem to think the fact that when um, Buddy left Wilbur in to, to take care of that slot guy, whoever oh, he Nat. was, he sometimes he was Duper, sometimes it was Clayton, that they was going to exploit that and take advantage of that. And that's what they tried to do. So, you know, the, right, Rich, Rich, Richard, you know, hit it on on the head. You don't win every every football game. We figured they beat us, and we get an opportunity, hopefully, to get back at them. But they couldn't get through um, New England. So, eighteen and one wasn't bad. I'm kind of glad they didn't show up because you know I love Jimbo, and I told when I went to the Pro Bowl, Jimbo told me, "Hey, take it take it easy on Danny." I said, okay, Jimbo, I'll do that, you know? So I went and hit him. I said, you know, that one's on Jimbo, okay? The next one's on me, right? So, uh, but, uh, you know, if they would have showed up, it would have been, oh, it would have been pretty ugly, guys. I don't know, you know, because we, we really look forward to seeing those guys in the Super Bowl, but they didn't make it. So he had the great running game. Your impact in the speed department to help stretch the field. How critical was that, honestly, to the Bears' offense? Well, uh, as a speed guy, I, there's very few things that I can control as a receiver. I can't control the play being called. I can't control the defense. I can't control the quarterback throwing the ball or the, or the lineman blocking. The only thing I can control is me being in shape, knowing my plays, and doing my best. So I tried to make sure that I was the fastest guy on the field at all time, in better shape than everyone else. I always ran extra. I ran with these guys extra after practice. So. Every time I stepped on the field, I was the fastest guy, and I was in better shape than anyone else on the field. That's what I can control. So You're probably still the fastest shape, yeah, right? Exactly. Yeah. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so I think as a receiver, you look at that and you, you make your contribution. I was very pleased at what I was able to do. I mean, I had a great running back. We had a great running back named Walter Payton. So we didn't throw the ball a lot. I led my team, you know, all five years I was here uh, in receiving and, and uh, yardage. So I think I contributed as much as I could. I ran fast, I, I, I cleared out for other guys. You know, we play unselfishly, really. I think, and today it's a little bit different because everybody's about me. But I sometimes would get one or two passes thrown to me a game, but that was part of the game. I ran, cleared out for Dennis, cleared out for Emory. If I didn't do my job, they didn't get catches. So I think it was important to do that from an unselfish standpoint. You know, Chicago, look, I've been around the world and Chicago is probably the best city in the world for me. It has an amazing city. And I'm not just saying that because I'm here. I'm not just saying it because I'm here. I say that everywhere I go. Chicago made a, an amazing impact on my life. And uh, it's the best city in America. It just gets too cold. 
You didn't have the weather? I think it would be too many people here. <laughs> but it's a great city, great fans, great people, and it's definitely a Chicago Bear town. I thank uh, Coach Hallis for giving me the opportunity to play here. You know, he gave the, the, the reins to uh, Jim Finks to, to draft people and to bring the right players in. I think it was a, a vision of his to see that. And of course, it's carried on through his, his daughter and, and, and their, his grandkids. So it's a great organization, uh, a great city. And I was very pleased to be a part of it for five years and be a part of something like this that you can never, never, ever forget. And uh, it'll always be a part of my life. Like Richard said, you forget. You, you miss the playing with the guys. You miss the locker room. You, you miss the trips. And those are the things that I'll keep with me forever. And we all miss... And we all miss Walter Payton. So across the board, let's yeah. talk Walter. Because we didn't have the uh, ability to have, obviously, a, 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 a seminar and a discussion with all the great backs. Right. Tom and Jay, you blocked for them. You're in that huddle. Emery, Willie, Richard, you, were you and Otis, great friends with him. Let's talk Walter, everybody. We'll start with Tommy. Uh, you know, it was weird for me because I was in awe of Walter. I was more of a fan of his than a teammate. And because you grow up in the area and you know that the Bears went through some lean years, but there was always greatness in Walter Payton. So when you had the chance to come in here and be an offensive lineman for him and be on the same team, you just wanted to meet his approval, just like you did with Ditka and just like you did with Dick Stanfeld, our offensive line coach. You felt if you could meet their approval, then you were kind of on the road to doing something special. Well, I, I mean, obviously you guys blocked for him. My experience with, with Walter was, you know, on every Tuesday, Tuesdays was, was our day off. So we would go hunting. Roland Harper, myself, and Walter, and you know, I, me coming from Brooklyn, New York, I know nothing about outdoor life and hunting and woods and all that stuff. So obviously, he had to tell me what to go buy, and you know, I got all my fatigue, the green stuff, and got my over and under rifle, and we went bird hunting. We would hit pheasant hunting, so we had a chance to really sit down and really get to know somebody. I think we right up there, there by you, Jay, it's a place called Twin Willow Pheasant Farm. Right, right, we used to right. go up there right there in Kenosha. Absolutely. And we go up there and just spend the whole day, you know, shooting birds, and then they give you the birds, and you go home and cook them. But they're expensive, you know, too. Everybody knows Walter as a great, great football player. But Walter was the coolest guy that I knew, I mean, always had a smile on his face. He never said anything derogatory about somebody. I mean, he shared everything he had. That's the great thing about it. You know, he had all of the nightclubs in Schaumburg. So when we win a football game, we go to the restaurant or the club and we just have car blanche. If you want to drive fast cars, you can take one of his cars. And I mean, it, it was just great spending seven years playing with him and the only thing I didn't like about Walter was when he went and worked out on this hill over in Arlington Heights he had this huge hill and I figured you know um six three and a half 245 in shape I'm gonna run up this hill more than Walter after about the third time I went up this hill and came back down 
I never saw that hill again. <laughs> I mean, and he would run up and down this hill like, like it was nothing. And then I said, well, okay, I see you got to pace yourself. So from that point on, I started pacing myself. But a great individual, a great athlete, a good family man, you can't say nothing bad about Walter. Yeah, Walter, Walter was a phenomenal athlete and a great person. And like Tom said, coming from Evanston, you know, you've heard about Walter. I played four years before I got to play with Walter. And when I came here, I was, you know, he's the best player in the football at that time and always, and always will be in my mind. Uh, and uh, I was very fortunate because in my situation, like I said before, I was in New York for three years with the Giants, a year in Denver. I was playing wide receiver fullback. And when I moved to tight end, uh, we were very fortunate the next year to get Willie because Willie stretched the field just like he was talking about. And then I was playing tight end, so it was easy for me to get away from linebacker because I had played wide receiver, and it was easy for me to release on bigger guys than it was the smaller guys. But then you throw in play action pass to Walter Payton. I mean, they'd fake that ball to Walter. Willie be running down the sideline, clearing it out, and I'm coming off the line and crossing the field, and I'd be wide open. I love playing tight end with these guys out there. <laughs> Because uh, you, you got to give Walter the respect. And they'd fake that ball to Walter and pull it out. And I'd release, and I'd be down the field crossing. And them guys would be turning around looking, going, oh, God, there he go. And uh, I averaged almost uh, close to 16 yards a catch in my career because of Walter Payton and Willie Gall doing what they do. So appreciate them guys. Battery may have died. Switch out of mic here. Oh, okay. So my experience with Walter is a little bit different. I met Walter before I became a bear. I actually met him at a, a charity event maybe a couple years before I became a bear, so I knew him. And when I was drafted by the Bears, uh, he was one of the first guys I called. He called me and congratulated me, which was great. And when I got there, my very first touchdown, people don't know that, was thrown to me by Walter Payton. Yeah, and actually, I caught Everybody my first touchdown. That? I caught three touchdowns at one day in, in New Orleans. Walter threw me one, Jim McMahon threw me one, and Walter threw me another one. So I had two touchdown passes from Walter Payton. So as a football player, I think no one can argue that he's probably the best to ever play. I mean, from a runner, blocker, passer, uh, the way he worked, he was arguably the best player ever to play the game certainly at running back. And, and, and you probably don't know this, but Walter was a practical joker also. I mean, you always had your head on the squirrel when you were around Walter because you never know what was going to happen. I, I mean, we'd go on the practice field, and all of a sudden um, a firecracker or a missile would go off, and it's, and it's Walter. You know, he put um, jock H powder in your jock, you know, or heat bomb in your, in your underwear or something. It was just crazy. And he would hug you so tight because he was so strong. And he'd try to squeeze the breath out of you, which, you know, I'm a small guy, so that wasn't hard for him to do me like that. So, uh, but yeah, Walter was a great player, great to play with. He worked amazingly. Um, his work ethic was second to none. 
and just a, a, a tragic loss, and we really miss him. Really miss that guy. William? Um, William have anything? Walter? Walter? William. Walter? Well, yeah, you know, I couldn't say uh, say too much, too much about it. The guy, the guy was great, and then and he and he he ran hard, and then he and then he blocked and everything else. He did, he did, he did everything. I mean, he was a he was he's he was a great a great football player all the way around. And you couldn't you couldn't say you couldn't say nothing about him because he was that he was that good. Yeah. Yeah, yes. Yeah, I mean, my, my, my experience, you know, obviously coming from a small black college, uh, used to play against his school, so uh, watched him a lot as a kid, just like you guys sitting here looking at us. That's how I was looking at him, and, and uh, we was on the plane. When, when we fly, Walter sit the first row outside of first class, and he got those first three seats. So the rule of the thumb, no one sits with him because if you sit with him, you get hurt. So I said, you know, I'm gonna sit with him. I gotta sit here and talk to this man because, you know, I've, I've been watching him for all these years and clearly next week, you know, I tore my hamstring and hurt my ankle. So I was done for the whole preseason. But, uh, but while I was sitting there, you know, just kind of getting off of meeting Walter and uh, he said, hey, you want, I'm gonna actually show you a trick. I said, okay, what? So he had this deck of cards. He had been had it there for a while. They, they looked like beat up. And, and he said, you think I can tear this deck? I said, no, I don't think so. And he, he tore the deck in about 20 seconds. I looked and said, hmm, stewardess, give me another deck of cards, right? So the stewardess came back with a brand new deck, opened it up, I gave it to him, and it took him about 30 seconds longer. <laughs> And he told that deck, and I said, boy, at that point, you know, he was like God to me. You know what I mean? I mean, this guy is so strong, yet got the sweetest voice and the sweetest person you ever want to meet. But yet, when, I, when, when you're talking about hand strength that way, it's like, you know, I'm never going to get in your way. You're never going to have a problem with me. But, you know... I used to love watching him do his thing. I had a pass rush move where he'd kick his leg that I kind of equated into my game. And, uh, you know, when we get in that huddle on the field, he would always say, don't do what I say, do what I do. And that means when he's on the field watching him do his thing, you know, he may say, you see us at head hips, but yet, you know, if he's not doing it, you know, you don't do it. But the point of it is watching him go to work is what you know you live for to work at that level yeah and that's what i tried to do week in and week out to compete and play at that level the way he played you know th th these are all great things um you're hearing about walter and it's um it's tough to you know a format like this it'd take all night to sit here and you could tell walter payton right. stories and, and what he meant to all of us and um he really took time, I think, personally to get to know everybody on the team, which was something. And what I, what I really appreciate about it, you know, I, I came into the Bears, you know, a nobody uh, from nowhere. And I, I, when I made the team, um, Ray Early, who's the uh, equipment guy at the time, put my locker next to Walter. So I, I lockered next to Walter for years. And um, 
that, that was a great experience. I mean, that was, that was amazing. He razzed me so many times uh, in the morning. There's some, I mean, some embarrassing stuff I can't even talk about, but, uh, but it was all good fun. But the thing is, the way he would treat you as a teammate outside of Hallis Hall was special. The way he would, he would come and uh, focus on you. And I played in some Pro Bowls with him. And, and the way that he would still recognize me as his teammate there and the way that personal relationship that we had would be stronger than any relationship he had over there in Hawaii. And he'd, he'd want to spend time with you over there, too. He, it's a, just a huge loss he's not with us. But I mean, the memories of what he, he, wa he was and what, how hard he worked and inspired and just his his attitude is the thing that I think inspired all of us. I mean, I remember um, when we were starting to make the playoffs, and you could just tell how much he wanted to win, win the playoffs. I remember the one time he talked to the team, he was willing to, to give up all the money he made in the playoffs that divided it up of, amongst us, because that's all he wanted, the opportunity to get in the playoffs. And that's, I mean, I, I think we all maybe felt a little special thing that in the 85 year that you know, we all wanted to win the Super Bowl for ourselves, of course, but in our heart, I mean, Walter, uh, we, all, we all loved Walter Payton, no question about it. You know, one thing, uh, one thing about Walter is um, <clears throat> if you ever look at a picture of Walter outside of football, away from the facility, you look at every person in the background in the picture, they're all smiling. And, you know, Walter could walk into an elevator, and by the time that elevator stops, everybody's smiling and happy. Um, there was a couple times, and Walter, I, I got to play with Walter for a couple years, but there's a couple times where he would drive down to Joliet and come and sit in my mom and dad's backyard. And I have some pictures of it. We have a photo album of it. And the kids from the neighborhood would all gather around his motorcycle, and they'd all be sitting on it wearing his helmet. But every single person and every single picture in the background had a smile on their face. And he's so, he's so unlike the superstars of today because they have an entourage or they have an attitude where they almost make people uncomfortable. Walter Payton was the complete opposite. No matter what scenario he was in, he made everybody feel comfortable. Number one on the list of the Bears top 100 in your centennial scrapbook. Make sure you pick one up before the weekend is over. Outstanding publication, number one on the list. We all agree. All right, let's roll some of those Super Bowl 20 highlights. How about it? Bears got their Super Bowl, and I don't even know where to begin because you guys knew you were winning this damn game. Like there was no doubt about it. Like we, we, we knew we'd win if we didn't turn the ball over. Unfortunately, you know, that first series, we turned the ball over. But when they have a, a minus 26 yards total offense at halftime, you sort of figure oh, the game's almost over. That one there went for, <laughs> you didn't have to go but 20 yards in. But my, I, I mean, the first play to me when, uh, you know, we, we, we came in the game saying, hey, you know, let's shut these guys out. We played them before. We knew they didn't have much. We've shut two teams out, so we was like, let's, let's go for it again. And, Obviously, Walter from the ball. Some people got upset. as your big you know, catch there, Willie. Right, that, that play right oh. there, Willie. Oh. I, I remember uh, McMahon in the huddle saying, "Hey, give it a little, give, give it this one more second here. This could go uh, for a long oh, yeah. play." Yeah, yeah. I mean, he called right. it. He when, he call, when he called it, I was like, "Okay, great, I'm ready." <laughs> that was the first play of the second half, but, I think. Yeah, first that, play of the second half. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, where was that 35-yard field position there, man? We were on the two-yard line. How did that happen? Two-yard line. Exactly. Yeah, Reggie Phillips. But, but on, but my play. I mean, you got that looks great. I mean, anyway. So we got to go out now to uh, to to stop the guys from scoring. Boom. 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 That's a headache right there, folks. I promise you. <laughs> so. We got to knock these guys out. We can't let them score because generally when the first one score, they say Norman wins the Super Bowl. So, you know, people have been patting us on our back and telling us how great we were. And now you got to go on the field right away. So my first play, I get knocked on my ass, okay? I mean, I, I come off, they go play action. Holloway hits me in the chest, and I'm trying to not fall back on my back. I'm off balance, and I see him coming back to wipe me out. So I say, either you can hit reset or you let this man take you out. So of course you hit reset. And all I thought about was da -na -na, da -na -na. being on TV, knocked on my ass. And I said, you know, now you said, well, you know, you're playing the Super Bowl. Why would, you know, you need someone to strike? If you've never been there, you don't know, right? But the point of it is I had that opportunity to hit reset and became MVP. That's great, awesome. <laughs> so, so my, when, when they announced my name to run on the field, yeah. I couldn't hardly feel my feet hit the ground. I mean, <laughs> because think about it, I, the magnitude of the Super Bowl. I grew up watching the Super Bowl. Right. I'm thinking to myself, oh my gosh, a billion people are watching me. <laughs> so I was really like a nervous energy. I mean, it's hard to describe, but I was ready, but I was really gutsy inside. It's like such a huge feeling. But I. Once I touched the ball for the first kickoff return, it all just became a, a normal game. Right. And it became just a regular game. But it, that first play was something that was really, because you don't want to make a mistake, but yet you know what you're doing but because you're a professional. But yet you also know there's millions of people watching you. But then once you touch the ball, it's just another, another game. I, I, when Fridge got into the backfield, whether it be San Francisco, Green Bay, the offensive linemen, we used to say, you better make a good block because if you don't and William hits you in the back, you in the back you're going to get hurt, you're going to get pushed out of the way, and it's going to look bad. So William was great in center for us when they did give him the ball to make a good block to get out of the way. It's a big game, but the point of it is, you know, you don't make it more than what it is. It's the same game for higher stakes. You know, some people come out and they change their ways. When you do that, you just blink. It's over, okay? It's the same game you played throughout the year but now it's just at the higher level. Yeah, it's just point. like the Olympics, you know, it's the same thing. Yeah, right, but see, Olympics, you gotta wait, you, <laughs> no, gotta, wait, you, you gotta wait four, you gotta wait four years to get, what, exactly. 10 seconds to get it done, right? Can't mess around. Yeah, I think that, you know, playing in the Super Bowl, I was going into my ninth year, but we had already beat New England earlier that year. So we were pretty confident, and when the defense, when they tried to run the ball, or pass the ball three times in a row. I think they knew that they knew they couldn't run the ball against our defense. And uh, I remember years ago, probably about 10 years ago, I was at an event up in Canada, and Steve Grogan was there, who was the quarterback. And he said, Emory, he said, I'm still ducking from number 55 over there. So <laughs> he said, every time I see a bear, I'm ducking, he said. Yeah, I mean, well, I'll tell you, for, for me personally, I mean, the Super Bowl is, is probably like, a lot of these guys saying it's still a football game yes it's still football but yet the hype around it makes it a, a huge huge event and everybody when you're playing in an event like that 
you want to put your best foot forward. And, you know, I was never shy in words. And they asked me, well, what do you think about the Are y'all going to win the Super Bowl? I said, yeah, we're going to win the Super Bowl, and we're going to shut them out if all of us stay healthy and play well together. And obviously, we see the outcome of it, 46 to 10. And, you know, Fridge get in there and do his thing. It, 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 it was just a phenomenal event, and I, I, I enjoyed it. You know, Richard, he was MVP. Uh, how many sacks did you have, Richard? Because I had, like, um, two sacks that game. You I had, what, three or four? No, no, actually, it's not that. I didn't know, you know, I thought going into the playoffs, you know, I had got three, four sacks at the first game. Hey, and Tom, three sacks Tom, the Tom how many game. great blocks Time did out. you have in the Super Bowl? <laughs> Every one. Yeah, yeah, really yeah we were they dominating, they don't, they don't count Willie those had blocks. 129 yards they receiving and a blocks. touchdown. Well, it right. wasn't sacks, it's turnovers. Ember, yeah. you, you had a good catch in the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah. he got a tip. One. Jim, Moore, he Jim Morrissey had the longest interception return in the Super Bowl that didn't result in a touchdown. Hey, hey. Guys were all great. They were all great players. How many times Give it up for these guys. They were all great. They <laughs> hey, all contributed. Hey, Jay. Hey. Once again, y'all had the ball on the 35-yard line. That's what, I was gonna, that's what I was about to say. You know? So they run the ball at me, the first turnover, and I'm like Craig, I said, Craig James or whoever the kid. I'm like, I'm like, they were all afraid. I mean, I'm like, what is this that they're running? I'm like, this is disrespectful. You run this? And, you know, don't get it wrong. I'm like, I, it's not often you see a white guy playing tailback, okay, in the National Football League. You just don't see that that often. And I'm looking at him. He's looking at me. I just reached in and I said, give me that ball, man. You don't know what you're doing. And y'all get the ball on the 20-yard line, you score a touchdown. That's Matt right, Sewitt. Sure. All right? You know, a lot of times people talk about, you know, Walter, why didn't Walter score in that game? And this game, it got out of hand so fast. I mean, at halftime, we knew the game was over. With six minutes in the third quarter, all the starters on offense are already on the bench. Reggie Phillips intercepts a pass and <laughs> runs it back. Jim Morrissey is, runs it back. Hayseed picks up a fumble for a safety. The we game got out of control <laughs> so fast that game, and we were just so ready to play our very best game. And, uh, you know, I, I just, you know, Walter should have got a touchdown, but I'm telling you, everybody was playing their butt off that day. And sometimes you got to be a decoy. And they wanted to stop Walter. That's their main plan on our offense, was to stop Walter. But everybody else stepped up. Just like Richard says about the team, our offense stood up, the special team stood up, the defense stood up, and that's how we played a great game that day. And we wanted to make the city of Chicago happy and having a lot of fun early. We wanted to get your party started at halftime. You don't have to wait, baby, it was on. Well, well think, think about it, think about it. Okay, okay, think about this one thing for one second. Joe Namath predicted they were gonna win the Super Bowl at the Super Bowl. We predicted we were gonna be in the Super Bowl in game number three of that year because we made the Super Bowl shuffle in game number three, right? So that's the best prediction that came true ever. Game number three, we made the Super Bowl shuffle. And we won the Super Bowl. So. That don't happen often, folks. I promise. Yeah, but it was, hey, the, it, was the, it was the offensive line to the, to the black and blues po po poster oh, yeah. first. Tell us about that. What's we up were with first. That? We were number that? one. We, oh, we, we, we started it off. The old line. Right. Yeah, the black like and blues that. brothers. You guys looking cool like that. That was fun. We signed a million of those things, haven't we, Tom? Right. I got a few <laughs> still in there. 
And how, you know, the, the other thing you autograph all the time is the, uh, the, uh, the, what the, for the, the game. What the Bible doll? The program, the program, the program, the game you autograph. You know, I, the Superdome holds 80,000, something like that. I, I know I've signed over 100,000 programs <laughs> at the Super Bowl. I mean, shoot. All right, we have uh, just a couple of minutes to go, so we'll take a couple of fan questions. Uh, this is from Chris. Thanks for coming from Oxford, England. England. Bears are headed there. Bears will be headed. Where are you? There you there. go. Properly wearing 34. He wants you guys to put into words what it felt like to step out on Soldier Field on Sundays. All these home games in that era of Bears football. What it was like to be playing in front of those fans at Soldier Field. Well, there's no doubt about it. It's an honor and a pleasure you know, to play, play in Soldier's Field and because of the history, you know, of Soldier's Field and just the history of the organization itself, the oldest organization and the, the way that that uniform with pride and, you know, having guys like this, it's a lot of pressure because if you don't play, you're going to pretty much be embarrassed because somebody else is going to do something special. Right, yeah. For me, you know, uh, I would love to play in the stadium today because, you know, you can hear the noise. But when we was playing, the noise would just go away so fast. But uh, to watch Walter step out of the huddle and start clapping and the whole stand start clapping, it was just magical. I said, shit, I want that kind of power, you know. I, I wanted to be like that, you know. So to have the people to respond like that to him, you know, it just tells, it, it tells the players how much, you know, the people appreciate the game itself here in Chicago. And think, I mean, think about it. We get an opportunity to play for an amazing city like Chicago. We get a chance to play for an owner who helped create the league. And there, there's rich tradition there. Uh, and then to be able to play with guys like this, to run on Soldier Field, and to make touchdowns, and to win games, and to bring a championship back to Chicago. Um, was really a special, something that I'll always carry with me no matter where I go, no matter what I do for the rest of my life. So it's great. Anybody else? It's just, you know, uh, coming into Chicago and playing for, in front of great fans like Chicago, playing for the Chicago Bears, you know, George Hallis, it's just all that. And, and on top of it, to win the Super Bowl, to win the championship, and the interaction we had with the crowds. I mean, it's, just, it's a special time in our life. It's, it's the biggest moment in all of our lives. Yeah, you know, when I came, I came from Everson, so I was used to, I grew up watching Gail Sayers and Dick Bucket. So I, when I got a chance to play for the Bears, I knew the history, I knew a little bit of history, but one of the great things that they did in the early 80s is George Hallis put the book Hallis by Hallis in every player's hands when they came to the Chicago Bears. So you could read about the history of the Bears, the history of the league, how it struggled early, and I think that's something that's missing today. People don't know the history. The players don't know the history of their teams, of the leagues, and uh, I thought that was just a phenomenal thing. Even though I thought I knew the Bears, I didn't know the Bears till I read the book. And I think every player that played for the Bears should learn the history of the Chicago Bears. Otis, before you go, if I could say, before you go, I could say that, you know, it, one moment that was really special in my heart at Soldier Field is when we won the, when we won the championship game, or actually uh, Wilbur Marshall was running the touchdown, 
And I'm looking at Fred swinging his arm up and down. I'm looking at that dark gap in between his mouth. <laughs> you probably don't remember that, Fred. I don't know. But, but yet, seeing him and looking at you, Otis, the celebration, how the fans, the championship game, to me, was more important than the Super Bowl. It was, it, it, it's something that's the, the championship game is something that I would always remember more so than the Super Bowl in Chicago. All right. Willie? Yes. NFC Championship game. Yes. Here are some of the highlights. We're going to be wrapping up here any second, but it was a total de demolition. Total demolition in every way, shape, and form. Huh? Emery running downfield there. Yeah, I had legs back then. It was so amazing because the, uh, this is a, a touchdown, which was a great throw by Jim, and I was just in the back corner of the end zone. Twinkle toes, look at that. Got to start it. And after the, the last play, it started to snow. Yep. Right, and that's the really icing came so on. Poetic. Poetic I mean, it, I also have to say, I was really impressed. When we got back the day after the Super Bowl, I think there was 25 or 35,000 fans in below zero weather to greet us for our parade, which was amazing. So where else can you be, go to, to find that type of support than Chicago? Here's the play. Yep. Here's the play. Yep. Bridge, your pitch is coming up, and Otis Ewan's coming yes, up here too. Yes, this is, this is uh, with the snow coming down, putting the icing on the cake in William, Chicago, making I, it happen. Hey, I, I just wanted you guys to score because I didn't want to go out and run more I plays. I told you. We told you, just, just hold them. We'll come back and score. You remember that? No. All right. Before we wrap it up, since it's a top 40 hit, a little Super Bowl shuffle, Willie. Oh, Willie got the chocolate swirl. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Willie, get that line, Willie. And then we're wrapping up. Send us off, my friend. Willie, and I'm world class. I like running, but I love to catch a pass. I practice all day and dance all night. I got to get ready for the Sunday fight. Now, I'm as smooth as the chocolate swirl. I dance a little funky, so watch, watch me, girl. me, girl. There's no one here that does it like me. My Super Bowl shuffle shall set, set you free. A mama's boy, Otis, one of a kind. The ladies all love me from my body and my mind. I'm slick they call on the floor They call me, as they I call can me be. sweetness. But they call no me sweetness, and I like to me. dance. Run the ball like making romance. We had the ball since training camp to give Chicago a Super Bowl champ. Now, we're not doing this because we're greedy. The Bears are doing it to feed the needy. I didn't come here looking for trouble. I just came here to do the Super Bowl show. Yeah, all right. You're, You're looking at the champions. I'm the rookie. I may be large, but I'm no uh, dumb cookie. Uh, you see me hey, here. You hey, see me run. You look at the bag. I'm the rookie. rookie. I, may I may be large, but I'm no dumb cookie. cookie. You <laughs> see me hit. You see me run. When I kick and pass, I now have more fun. I can dance, you will see, they all learn from me. I didn't come here looking for trouble, I just came through the Super Bowl.